into the pesky pole. And that's going to get down the line. That one looks like it'll stay fair. And goodbye, home run. The pesky pole. The 2-2. Swing a fly ball deep down the right field line. Slicing by the pesky pole. And that ball hits the pesky pole. Slide on the right field line, slicing toward the pesky pole into the corner, and that ball is gone! A green can. Now on a high fly down the right field line, headed toward the pesky pole. Is he going to tuck it inside? Indeed he does! That is gone! Welcome to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I'm your host, The Rit. With me is our head writer, Mr. George Sutherland. George, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not much. Enjoying uh, the last couple of days out of New York. Uh, much better news than when we left Washington. Oh, man. I, I wish we could play 162 against the Yankees. Th- th- that would be great. If you're going to pick in a team, pick in a team that's in disarray, because they certainly are. So, but George, today is a great day. Not only did we uh, release our new show opener which looks great by the way we are dropping our website today so you guys can order shop all your needs for the pesky podcast but we are also introducing the newest member of the pesky podcast so uh let's just bring her right in riley hello what's going on riley not too much how's it going not bad uh I was telling DC and, and George how I first interacted with you. Uh, and it was, it was kind of like, you know, fate, funniness, you know, because I was uh, at a press pass at Scranton Wilkes-Barre taking on the Woo Sox. And they were on a rain delay, so there was no batting practice. And I was just scrolling through Twitter. And, you know, I seen your post something and uh, about being a, a writer. And I was like, huh. We could always use another one of them. <laughs> so I, I went and, you know, looked, read one of your articles, loved it, and sent you the message. And I was really quick, at, uh, happy how quickly you responded to us. So, uh, guys, if you guys haven't checked out any of her stuff, I'm sure she's going to get her spotlight to tell everybody uh, where to look at it at. But, Riley, uh, you have a... You have like two or three jobs. Uh, You're always busy. And so tell everybody a little bit about yourself and tell everybody about your job. Yeah. um, So currently I have three jobs, I guess kind of four because I've been dog walking two in the mornings. I don't know if that counts. If you count it, though, I guess four. Um, So I have a background in marketing, social media, communications, journalism, all that fun stuff. Um, The most relevant one to this podcast is my job with the Portland Sea Dogs. I do broadcast for them, some camera work, broadcast work. That's been a blast this summer. I've also interned. My favorite story is when I interned at NBC Sports Boston in 2018, which is when the Red Sox won the World Series last, because that was a fun time. It was definitely interesting when they were playing the Dodgers and They were having West Coast games and people had to stay in the office till like three or four in the morning. People are like, I don't even care who wins anymore. I just want the World Series to be over with. 
But yeah, currently I'm with the Portland Sea Dogs, which is most relevant to this podcast. And that's been it's been a really fun summer with them. Yeah, uh, George is right up there in in Maine, you know, uh, with you for the for the Portland. He goes and catches a couple games. Uh, George, that may, maybe you guys uh, can share some memories this season up there in Portland. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say my best memories so far this season. I've had a few. It's actually it's been a really really interesting season with the Sea Dogs. You know, we started off with a really good roster. We had a couple of good pitchers that got taken up to the woo. And then Sadon Rafaela, he's been a beast all season. The game where I think it was a game where he stole like the most amount of bases in. I can't remember if it was minor league history or all of baseball history, but he had like a historic base stealing game. And I was working that game. It was crazy because like every time you looked, he's just running. Dude was so fast. It was crazy. So then I was wondering through like the beginning of the season, because when I saw him at spring training, I thought he would at least be with the Woo Sox, if not the majors right away. So I was like, that's kind of interesting that he's still with Portland. I was really happy that he was with Portland because he's great to watch, but I was surprised. So then when he got taken up to Worcester, I was like, okay, I saw that coming. So that was that was really fun through the beginning of the season. We also had Trevor Story and Corey Kluber there recently. I worked, I want to say both of the games that um, they were there, which was a lot of fun. Um, The first night that Trevor Story made his season debut, which was with Portland, he hit a home run and that was very, very exciting. Um, There was one day I was working I worked the day before, last inning, the two teams got tied, and then we had a rain delay, literally like the bottom of the last inning. So we had to make up the next inning the next day. Tyler Dearden had a walk-off home run pretty much immediately. I think he was the first at-bat, and I think it was in the first pitch. Like, it was insane. It was great, though. It was a really good time. So, yeah, the Sea Dogs have been a lot of fun this season. They've just had so many great players, so many crazy plays that have happened. Um, They've been a blast to watch. And then with Meyer coming up, too, he's he's obviously been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, we actually had uh, Tyler Dearden on our podcast and interviewed him. He was a great guy. uh, Lots lots of fun to talk to. Another guy we got on the podcast who came up uh, a little bit later to you guys was Hunter Dobbins and he is he has just been automatic this season in the minors uh well what are your thoughts on Hunter Dobbins uh and have you seen him pitch at all I haven't seen him pitch a ton um but I have seen him pitch a bit I think he's pretty good he's he's been definitely a good addition to the pitching staff um the pitching staff in general has been pretty solid um from the sea dogs especially too we've had i believe it was i can't remember his name but we had one that got pulled up to the woo Sox that was like really really good um so i wouldn't be surprised to see him in the majors within like the next season or two but yeah it was kind of like a little nerve-wracking every time a pitcher gets pulled up because then it's like okay who do we have now you know pitching staff is one of the most important parts of the game so then i think um I think he's fit in really well with the team and kind of been able to hold it down. And he's done a really good job. George, uh, 
What's the, what are some Portland uh, memories that you had from this season? Because I know you caught a couple games. Yeah, probably my my first one was uh, the first time I saw Meyer play, and he got he struck out on a, a slider. I think the first time didn't look all, all that great, and then the next time up, he hit a rocket home run to center field. That ball left his bat in a hurry, and it was it, it was a shot. Uh, it made, made me appreciate the, the fact that he he's got power and 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 line drive power, so that 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 should play well. Um, you know, I I had uh, uh, I'm one and one this year. I've only had a chance to go to two games, so it hasn't been all that well. But I do I, I do try to follow them as much as I can. Try to pick up the broadcast at night. Um, this is a, it's where the talent is for sure. And you've got uh, you got some guys that are probably going to be in Boston in a couple of years. At least everyday players, uh, you know, Meyer, um, York, Jordan. Um, the guy, one of my unsung heroes in that team, is still is is Mydroth. the 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 kid plays. He's out there every. He's playing hard every time they put him out there. They move him all around wherever he goes. He plays well. He's he's got a future in this organization just for that. And you know he's he's got he's he's got some skills, so yeah, it's been it's been a really fun team to watch. Um, I didn't get usually I have a very good streak uh, of, of getting to see Boston players do their rehab assignments. I've seen Sale twice, uh, you know, uh, before uh, in Portland. So you know, but missed out on this one. Uh, but yeah, and missed out on Story. But yeah, it, this is a very exciting young team, and there is there is talent down there for sure, and uh, you know it's it, it shows where the farm system is, uh, and the fact that they can let the younger players develop a little bit more because of what they have in Worcester, and give them time to mature and not rush anybody. So it's it's been fun, and it's a great place. Hadlock is an awesome place to take in a game. It really is. I love it. Yeah. Uh- Riley, I'm a little jealous because when the Rail Riders were playing the Woo Sox and DC and myself had the press passes, Trevor Story did not go there. He went to Portland instead, and I was so disappointed because I was like, man, that's an opportunity to get to talk to Trevor Story. And I was like, man. And I think it was – George, I think you and I were on the podcast together and DC uh, texted live to us. Yes, Trevor Story was going to Portland, and yeah, oh man, I was I was so depressed about that. But Trevor Story is is he's back in the majors now, uh, proving doubters wrong, you know, left and right. But uh, let's uh, let's talk a, a little bit about uh, the future, since uh, Riley, you're covering Portland, and we're gonna talk about the future of the Red Sox here a little bit. And on Twitter, uh, Red Sox Optimist went and posted this the other day. I'm going to share the file here, uh, share the screen. So we all can see. And oh yeah, under team control, and these are some of the players we have. Uh, Bayo, he's under team control to 2029. 20, Crawford, 28. 
Hauk 27, Bernardino 29, Murphy 29, Schreiber 26, Whitlock 28, Wink 29, who's pitching today, Reese McGuire 25, Connor Wong 29, Tristan Casas 29, Devers 33, Reyes 27, Urias 25, Duran 28, Trevor Story 2026, but he has an opt out, and then Yoshida 2027. That is one heck of a heart and soul of your major league roster where you have them you have them for at least four or five years, a majority of them or more. So let's go to you, George. Uh, what are your thoughts on the team that we're on paper right now that Haim has put together and we finally get to start seeing the controllability and the talent that we have this year. Oh, look, it's the way you have to build um, today. You can't do it strictly by free agents, uh, free agency. Um, They've, you know, put on, they they put in the luxury tax to kind of balance things out. So if you play within the rules and you do it well, you've got sustainable quality baseball. Um, I, I, I think, it's been a very hard thing for, for Red Sox fans to, to buy into because, you know, they had, you know, Dombrowski who, you know, go raid the farm system and go buy anything he wanted, you know, like a drunken sailor. But, you know, in this case, you know, you're beginning to see, in, uh, see the benefits of it. And, you know, if, if the average Red Sox fan, if they took a look at this roster, go, yeah, okay, this, you know, this is our future. Um, and there's more to come, you know, as I said. You know, what's missing on this is, is Meyer, Jordan, York, Mydroth. Um, this is the kid in center field, Sykes, down there. Another good ball player. Casavides. Uh, I mean, they, they've got some They've got some ball players. And uh, there's more to come. So the pipeline continues. And, you know, if, say, uh, half of these guys work out or two-thirds of these guys work out, You've got a strong ball club for a long time. And, uh, yeah, this is how you do it. Riley, uh, what are your thoughts on, on looking at this on paper and finally getting to see the controllability, the future? And and this is, just like Jordan said, this is not including any of the farm system. You know, Rafaela, Meyer, you know, it, it doesn't include any of those guys. So what are your thoughts then? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the more that I look at their roster, the more I understand why they did not do anything at the trade deadline. And I know a lot of people were kind of up in arms about like, oh, their team isn't great right now. Why didn't they trade? Well, you look at who they have, like Casas, look at how great he's doing now compared to the beginning of the season. There's so many rookies that haven't hit their prime yet, and you can't expect a rookie to come up and immediately be as good as they were in the minors because it's a whole different game. But if they show potential and if they were one of the top prospects, you can expect that in another year or two, they're going to hit their prime. They're going to be great players. And so for me personally, thinking about like all the rookies we have on the team right now that are showing potential, like Casas, I think considering Yoshida a rookie is a little bit of a step just because he has played professionally before, but technically he is a rookie because he's never played in, in MLB before. Um, 
but even him, he's he's still playing a new game that he's never played before um, in the majors. So he's a rookie, and he's already doing great. You have all of these people like Bayo. He's he's starting to do really really well, um, and then you have all the people that are still in the farm system that have yet to come up. So my thought process here is why would you go for somebody who's good right now who probably won't be as good long term? Um, I can't think of anyone on the market off the top of my head, but let's just like go with it. This is a long, long stretch, but let's go with like the Shohei Otani situation. Mm-hmm. He would have been great on the Red Sox. He would have been great on whatever team he goes to. But at the same time, would it be worth trading, let's say, probably around five or six players just for one talent who's not going to guarantee that we go to the World Series? I mean, you can trade so many players for one person. It's not going to fix all the issues on the team. Um, But what will fix the issues on the team is keeping this up and coming core together and letting them do what they need to do. You just have to give them time. And I think one thing about Red Sox fans, because we've seen so many championship wins in our, what, like the past 20 years or so, Mm -hmm. we're so used to it, especially Boston in general. You're a fan of any Boston sport and you've already seen every single team you're a fan of win at least two championships. Um, so we're pretty spoiled in Boston, I will say, but I think that kind of goes down to like, we don't have as much patience because we're so used to seeing things happen right then and there. We're not used to seeing our teams not do well. And now I think everyone's kind of up in arms about our team not doing well, that they want an immediate solution, but there is no immediate solution because you could trade for, again, let's say Otani, who's probably the best player in the league right now. He could come to the Red Sox. Are we going to go to the World Series just because he's on the Red Sox? No, no, we need to build more around him. But then, you know, we trade for him, which obviously is a made up scenario because he's not on the trade market. But just theoretically, like, let's say we traded for him. Then we're out all the players that are up and coming and we have less we're, we're a lot less likely to have success in the future because of that. And every time I see the roster like laid out like this it reminds me yeah there's nothing we can really do right now but they have a good thing coming we have what is I think four uh prospects either four or five that are in the top hundred out of Mm -hmm. all MLB Mm -hmm. which is it's a pretty big deal Myers what like the wasn't he in like the top five I believe he was right he got dropped to 11, I think, in the latest. 11. Okay, goal. so that's still not too bad, though. That's, like, just about top 10%. Um, so he's one of the best prospects in the league. You guarantee he's going to get traded, or not anymore because the deadline's passed. But in general, like, he would have been part of a trade package for somebody who was better than what we have now. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that Haim is doing a really good job of putting together a roster whether or not people agree with it right now because it's not showing, I think give it another, I say probably within the next two to three years, we're going to hit our prime and we're going to have a huge turnaround that people just aren't used to at the moment. Um, but I think we have a lot of good stuff going right now with the team. Well, Raleigh, uh, to go piggyback off what you said, the top 100, they got Marcelo Meyer at 11. We have... 
Roman Anthony at 37. We have Sedane Raphael at 77. Uh, the rookie catcher we just drafted, Kyle Teal, he's already at number 87. Wow. So that is four right there in the top 100 in baseball. That's that's amazing. And considering, you know, Kyle Teal, who we just drafted, you know, less than a month ago, that's, that's, that's crazy there. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then to go off of what, uh, you know, we – you sit there and said earlier, look at look at the Mets, look at the Padres. They, they went and spent ridiculous. The Yankees, they all spent ridiculous amounts of money to build these super teams, thinking it's the NBA where three people can win you a championship. And this is baseball, and it's you can't. And I love looking at this on this on paper. Because look at a lot of our bullpen we have control over. And right now we have a top five bullpen in baseball. Yeah. You know, we've got we've got Bernardino, Murphy, Schreiber, Whitlock, Wink, like all under control. Not not counting, you know, Kenley Jansen. We got uh, Martin. So but let's go. Devers is already extended. He's already out to, to 2033. What guy, what one player would you guys choose right now? Season's over. Get him on the phone. Let's talk extension. Riley, who would that be for you? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think in general, I would say Duran. Dude's been a beast this season. He still has a little while to go, um, but I think the next – four years or so are going to come by quickly. And I think it's something that they should start working out with him. Um, Cause nobody really expected him to do as great as he did, but same thing. He was, I mean, he hasn't had much um, playing time in the majors. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of consider him a rookie still, even though he's played before, I don't think he's ever had enough time to actually prove himself that he shouldn't be considered a rookie right now. Um, especially since he started down in Worcester and got pulled up kind of on a whim when Duvall got injured and then just really has done a ton. Um, he still has room to grow, of course, but I think what he's shown definitely, he's probably the top player. I would say that they should start talking or at least in the next season or two should start talking about an extension with. Uh, Yoshida as well, I think, is pretty important to kind of start talking about with that, uh, that as well. George, what about you? Uh, for me, it's Brian Bale. Quality young starting pitching. Um, you know, buy off his arbitration. You know, buy off his arbitration is uh, give give him some money. He's he's proven he's the real deal. Let's get him locked up. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to throw in the third option and Tristan Casas. Like, if we could get the corner yeah. infield locked up for years to come with Devers and Casas on the corners, I, I like it, you know. But overall, like with Riley, with you saying with Duran, I can see within the next year, 
Duran's getting moved over to right field. Yoshida takes left. Rafael comes up and takes center. I just don't know where that leaves Verdugo. Yeah. Because everything Verdugo had going for him in the beginning of the season has been slowly being pulled away from him by his own doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Verdugo's kind of a tricky case, I feel like, because he's been a great player for years, but I feel like at times he's a little inconsistent. Um, you know, he's kind of hit or miss, which Duran is right now too, but the difference is Doogie's had like several years to kind of get him, like get himself up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of tricky because now they have these newer players coming up like Yoshida and Duran, who are kind of outplaying him at the moment, um, which isn't to say that he's a bad player because he's not under any circumstances. He's a great player, and I think he has been really important for the Red Sox. But, yeah, I think his his fate on the team is a little bit tricky because we have Duran, we have Yoshida, we have Rafael coming up, and if those three are outplaying him and we have a little bit more depth in the outfield now than we used to, it kind of just leaves the question of like, where's he going to end up? You know, he's going to have to really, really prove himself harder than he already has been. Um, and he's, yeah, he's not in a great situation right now, which definitely makes me nervous because I love Verdugo, but yeah, there's, there's a big question of are the people coming up? Is the farm going to start outplaying him? Are the rookies going to start outplaying him? Are the Red Sox kind of going to look at him and be like, Oh, well, these players are doing better. And, almost leave him like as a bench player it's it's tricky for sure but if we do save him for like a trade package or something in the future i think we could get somebody pretty good out of him um which is it's a little sad to have to do that to him because he definitely doesn't deserve that but you know if we can get a good player back from him and send him to a team where they're going to be able to utilize him uh, more than we have been then it's not not the worst idea for sure. Yeah, and it's not really his his playing that's been the problem. It's his maturity. Yeah, his uh, attitude yeah. has been a problem. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, he's his own worst enemy at times. For sure. Yeah. So let's uh, let's switch gears and go up to uh, Tristan Casas. You know, Tristan Casas where he ranks among AL hitters since May 1st. Like, if the season started May 1st, he's got to be a top five uh, MVP candidate looking at him. You know, his batting average, is he, he's batting 290. He's 12th in the league. Uh, I'm 12th in the American League. His oh, on-base percentage, 379. His, uh, he's drawing walks fourth. You know, He's top 10, everything but batting average. And it's just ridiculous. So, so George, uh, what are you sitting there and looking at with Casas finally getting in the groove and all those naysayers and haters the first two months on Twitter? Uh, they all became quiet now. I was quiet on Twitter. Um, I, I said it here a couple of times. I was waiting for him to do his best Dustin Pedroia imitation. Uh, he's done it. Um, something clicked. Okay. Um, he's still 
needs a little bit more seasoning around the bag. Okay. Although his play of late has been better, but yeah, he is, you know, he, he's, he's a force in the middle of the lineup now. And, uh, uh, I think that the, the next, uh, thing he has to prove is that he can hit lefties with consistency. Uh, you know, they had him, you know, they had him in against Turner. Turner was in first base yesterday. Uh, you know, let's, let's see what he can do. Um, you know, that's the next step in the maturity phase of his development. But yeah, I mean, you know, he hits bombs when, you know, they, they leave the ballpark in a hurry. Uh, his defense is getting a little better, but yeah, he's, he's, he's coming as advertised. It's like he's shaking off whatever it was that was kind of holding him back. And he's showing what he had done through the minor leagues. And, you know, maybe he just, you know, he figured, he figured it out. I'm sure he's working with the coaching staff. Uh, he's his own character. You know, he's not, he's totally different in those, in that respect. And uh, he's figured it out. Great. You know, great. I'm, I'm happy for him and obviously happy for the Red Sox. So, yeah. Uh, with, with Tristan, like Tristan, Jaron Duran are both in the same boat. I don't understand why not give them the shot against the lefties. AC, anytime there's a lefty, he's sitting both those two. Like, you to be a complete MLB player, you got to take on righties and lefties and give them a shot at it. You, you know, consi- you got to give them a consistent chance. And AC doesn't want to do that. Like, like George, I, I'm sitting there and, and I, I made mention uh, two podcasts ago. Uh, I believe in AC. I love AC, but I think it's his time. It, this is his time to go. Like after this season, like the decisions he's making are kind of hindering the team at points. And sitting Tristan Cassis against lefties all the time is one of those decisions I'm thinking. Um, I'm not to that point. Um, I think at times some of his decisions were um, subtle jabs at his boss. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? This is what you gave me? Come on. Uh, but – yeah, I, I, you're right. I think that both he and Duran need to to play more against lefties, and that makes it tougher because you know you 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 know you want to you want Turner's bat in the lineup. You know, as I said, the more bats Duvall gets, Duvall, you know, is is a much better power hitter. Anything over 400 bats, he's you know, he's doing he's putting up quality power numbers. So you know, it's it's very difficult. Um, but yeah, so far I'm I'm extremely happy with uh, Tristan Casas right now. Uh, this is what I expected to see out of the gate. It just took him 45 games to get there. Yeah, Riley, well, uh, what are your thoughts on on Tristan Casas? Yeah, um, Casas is one who, even from the beginning of the season when he wasn't doing so hot, I've always thought that he had a ton of potential, and. Frankly, that people were just kind of being a little too harsh on him. Um, this is pretty much, I know he played a little bit in the majors last season, but this is essentially his rookie season, right? His first full season in the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of touched on earlier how like you can't expect somebody to come up and just immediately be this power player. You know, it happens very rarely, but for the most part, any move up of any level is going to be a whole different ball game. And it takes a little while to get used to. And Casas 
in particular, anytime he's up to bat, you can tell how nervous he is. He's a very nervous player. And I think it's just a matter of him kind of like figuring out how to manage his nerves and how to deal with being in the majors compared to the minors. You know, it's a big jump, no matter like, even if you go from triple A up to the major, that's still a massive jump. So I think it's just been a matter of him kind of trying to work through himself and figure himself out in the majors, which is fine in the first season. You know, if we're three seasons in and he's still not doing great, then maybe kind of consider what are we going to do with him? Um, But now he's been getting better and better throughout the season. Yeah, he's made mistakes here and there. Even some of like the best players have made mistakes throughout the season. It's just it's natural. That's what happens because they're human beings. (laughs) But um Yeah, I think he's been showing a ton of potential. He's been getting better and better. And now, like, with these stats, proving that he's pretty much a top 10 player through most of these stats in his rookie season, that's a huge deal. That proves that he could potentially become, like, the top player in the AL, give him another two seasons maybe, give him a little more time to kind of work through everything and adjust to being in the majors. Um As far as hitting against lefties, I definitely think he should be given the chance to do so. Um, It's kind of, even if he's not going to be great at it immediately, it's kind of like the same argument of how people were too harsh on him in the beginning, right? You can't expect immediate results Mm -hmm. without even giving him the opportunity. Um, So he probably needs a little bit of adjustment hitting to lefty hitters, uh, lefty pitchers as well. But like, why, why wouldn't we give him the experience and the opportunity to kind of adjust to that and work his way up to that, you know, because then you throw him in for a lefty pitcher when he's not used to it and he's not going to do well, most likely. But now you're taking away time that he could have developed it over the season as he's developed his hitting skills in general. Um, It's kind of taking away some time to fully develop his talent. Yeah, I definitely think he could be honestly probably one of the best um, players on the Red Sox in the future. I think he could become a key member to one of the next World Series. Yeah, uh, I I was the guy that was because at the beginning of the season, oh, send them down the triple A, bring Bobby up. For what? Like, give give the kid the reps he's going to need in the major leagues. And look, the light at the end of the tunnel was brighter than when we went in the first time. And Tristan Casas is the future of first base there in Boston. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got this here. Uh, I want to throw a shout out to uh, Eric at Casas. Please tweet for providing this information and for us using it. So uh, let's let's move forward to the only trade deadline acquisition we had. And this is from ESPN Stats and Info. Luis Urias is the first Red Sox player to hit a Grand Slam in back-to-back games played since Jimmy Fox in 1940. George, you might remember that. No, no, I'm just kidding, George. Just kidding. That, that's a couple of days before my time. I know I'm the old guy on this on this podcast, but I'm I'm still younger than that. You know, um, yeah, no, that's Red Sox, Red Sox number nine hitter 
to hit a grand slam against the Yankees since Luis Riviera hit one versus oh, yeah. Jeff Robinson August 31st, 1990. 1990. Yep. So two home runs, two grand slams. On consecutive pitches, too. Mm-hmm. That was the other that was the other thing that he got uh, on consecutive pitches. That's got you know, that's gotta make it even rarer. Um yeah, I mean, go figure. Uh that was that was special. Uh you know, I, I know when I saw it and I was like, oh my god, he did it again. But hey, um it, uh, I, I started thinking the other day that maybe there is something special about this team and it's just taken a while to go. I mean, when you get contributions from guys like Urias and Pablo Reyes, you know, out of nowhere, um, maybe there is something special to the team. It's just taken a little bit longer to, to develop, but yeah, that, that, that was special. And to put him in the same conversation as, as Fox. Wow. Mm-hmm. So. Riley, uh, well, what are your thoughts on on back to back grand slams? Yeah, I think honestly that's insane. It's not something you see very often, clearly, because we haven't seen it in the Red Sox since 1940. Um, so it's been a while. Can't say I've seen that in my lifetime because I definitely was not alive in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> and. I, I mean, I know he's a, he's a pretty good player, but I don't think anybody was expecting that at all. I think it was kind of just nobody was really expecting the first one. So then for the second one to happen, it's pretty insane to see. But I, I definitely think it's I don't know. It's just kind of neat because, you know, we're we're witnessing history and especially to see it from a, tra- a player that we traded for is, is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that Heim Bloom, you know, and his magic crystal ball seen. Oh man, Urias and Reyes, because they have, they have what three grand slams between the, the two of them, right? Yeah. Like you know, it, but he's seen something, and and he's seen the defensive hole we had in the middle, and with the A's and uh, Milwaukee both hiding these two in their farm system and on the bench to where Heim was able to, you know, pick them that is, they have helped us defensively upgrade immensely over what we had the first, uh, the first half of the year, but for them to give us offensive production also, that's just icing on the cake and we all love cake. So, but, uh, now let's let's go to the uh, to what we all came here for. The Yankees lose, so let's go and bust out the shapes first because I seen this on Twitter yesterday, and That's I personally awesome. loved it. You know, we've got a pentagon, we've got the hexagon, we've got the octagon, and then we've got. The Yankees logo, and it's now called a season gone. <laughs> so, man, what are your guys' thoughts so far on not only how much we have owned the Yankees this season, but just the Yankees in general, how we they used to be the rivalry, but there's not one anymore. 
George, let's start with you. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the, the I don't know if you picked up the broadcast yesterday, but they, they kind of played with it a little bit in the sense that, you know, the Yankees are still, you know, looking at the grip and rip, you know, get up there and smash a three-run homer. They haven't caught on to the fact that the game has changed a little bit. Speed, athleticism, um, you know, as they called, you know, Brett Gardner, you know, he's like, he's a guy that would do that for you. Um, yeah, I called on my column this morning. They look listless. They, they haven't got a, they, they're, they're, they haven't got a clue. Um, and, 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 and many, as much as your Red Sox fan, you go, yeah, that's cool. It's sad to see because, you know, this is a, you know, this is a proud, that's a proud franchise, but they, I, I, I don't see much in their system. You know, coming out, I mean, Vol, you know, Volpe appears to be an, an okay player, but for as highly touted as he was, um, you know, maybe he needed a little bit more seasoning in the minor leagues, kind of what they're doing with Meyer and a couple of the, a couple, you know, for the Red Sox. But this is not the rivalry it was. And, you know, certainly not in the beginning, you know, 20 years ago, it's not the rivalry that was there. You know, there's no, there's no, you know, Yankee type players. You know, from from days past, you know, the gone of the A Rods and the Jeters and the the Sheffields and you know, uh, you know Bernie Williams and those guys, right? They're gone, okay. And you know, they got some talented players, but they're just not the same. They're just not the same club, you know. And they got some serious holes in their lineup. You know, my God. Um, and Garrett Cole, it's like I think when he sees the Red Sox come, you know, on the schedule. He's like, how many times do I have to face Devers? And oh God, who else is going to get me this time? You know, um, he found out the other day. You know, it was it was Urias and Wong. You know, and and all all Devers did to him was hit a couple of singles, but he still got to him. But yeah, the, yeah, they're, they're just they're floundering. Riley, what are your thoughts about the uh, the New York uh, Cesarogans? Yeah, yeah, they're uh, certainly an interesting team this season. But I will say, I mean, I guess the rivalry, the vibes of the rivalry are so different now because it's like, okay, now what are we competing for? Like, who's going to be able to finish second to last in the division? Because clearly the Red Sox aren't doing great either. I'm not going to pretend that they are. But to the extent that the Yankees are doing, they're just completely tanking right now. And it's funny because, of course, whenever rivalries come up, like Yankees fans will talk a big game. Oh, we're going to beat the Red Sox. And we're kind of just like, oh, keep dreaming. And so literally, like every time we've faced them, it's just been, oh, it's been a blast for Red Sox fans because it's just a complete joke. But it's interesting in general to look at the entire AL East because it's like, what's the rivalry now? I would kind of almost consider it like the Orioles and the Rays which I never thought I would say those teams haven't been necessarily good in the past. It's always been Yankees versus Red Sox. And then like the rest of the division, you know, Um, especially the Orioles, they were like rock bottom for a real long time. So now to see like, it's almost like a new generation of a rivalry, but it's not as fun as the Yankees and Red Sox because that's a historic one. So it is kind of sad to see the Yankees not do well 
because now it's like, okay, we don't have like a true rivalry. I can't even be upset when they win a game anymore because they're doing so bad that you almost feel bad for them, but not bad enough for them for you to want them to do better than the Red Sox, of course. Um, but yeah, just like kind of that historic aspect of the rivalry too, almost being gone is a little bit sad. I'm not quite ready for that. Um, and there are, I'll admit, a couple of Yankees players that I do like, like Aaron Judge. I wanted to see him do really well this season, but he's had a tough season for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's just weird. It's really strange. But of course, I can't help but celebrate when they're in last place. Do you think that Aaron Judge is thinking to himself, I should have went to San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, probably. I think he probably saw a lot more potential in the Yankees than was actually there. At the same time, I don't really know because San Francisco's not too bad right now, but I also wouldn't say they're like a championship caliber team at the moment, but they're definitely doing a little better than the Yankees. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. I do know though he had like, he had ties to San Francisco, so I'm I'm kind of wondering the same. I could definitely see him regretting his decision to stay in New York. Yeah, uh, the rivalries that George and I remember, because Riley, you're just a little bit younger than us. <laughs> uh, when something went down, there was fisticuffs. Yeah, you know Pedro throwing down. Uh, what was his? Uh, what was that? Uh, oh. Zimmerman. Oh. Zim, yeah, Zim, yeah. Uh, you know, A Rod and Veritech. You know, Joe Kelly Fight Club. Now it just seems to me like the Yankees don't. They don't even have enough, enough in them just to even fight. They're just continuously getting beat down by the Red Sox, and they just they just don't care no more. Like. I don't understand how if you are dedicated enough to become a New York Yankee, willing to shave your facial hair to get there, to wear and don those pinstripes, wouldn't you have some sort of fire in you if, you know, Garrett Cole, a.k.a. Kermit, you know, is face endeavors, throw a little high heat on the inside. You know what I mean? Let Devers say, hey, you're not going to owe me this time, even though he always does. The birth certificates are changed. Raphael Devers, even though he's younger than Garrett Cole, is his father now. So it's like, man, these are not the Yankees that we grew up on, George and I. And now it's just a sad shell of what the team used to be. Yeah, it's it's so it, it's so weird and, and I, you know i think a lot of it changed in 2004 you know uh the monkeys off our back and really you know the yankees have only won one championship in the last 20 years the Sox have won four uh mm -hmm. riley to your point you know uh, fans are kind of expecting this uh as somebody who waited a long time to see a world series victory um this doesn't quite get old for me because there were too many years growing up when that just wasn't the case, you know, and, but, you know, it's, 
yeah, this is not the what is not what it used to be, and they are just a team in total disarray. I don't, I you know, sad to see him anyways. But. It, it's it shows us that the Red Sox fans, as DC always puts it, are spoiled. You know, yeah. the, the, they don't know what it's like 2003 and earlier. You know, that the, they don't they don't know that, but. We see that Heim did his Heim site was 2020. He has a plan. We've seen it earlier to where the Yankees, they have no plan. They, they are trying to buy and sell whatever they can to salvage a team to put out there to make a playoff run. I seen Jared Carabas post this yesterday. We're not going to play the whole thing, but I loved it. So we've got to play it. I seen this and I was just busting up laughing yesterday. Like, wow. for about another minute or so but man i i just seen it i loved it and i i'm glad that we have david ortiz to sit there and always without a shadow of a doubt let us know when the yankees lose so riley we're gonna sit there and let you go first to end our show tell us where people can find you at what you've been working on, uh, all that good stuff, Riley. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is Riley, R-Y-L-I-E. My name's spelled a little weird. S underscore 14. Um, I've kind of just been working on random things here and there. I have my website. Um, I've got some content coming, especially with the NFL season starting up and the Patriots. Um and then, of course, the Red Sox, continuing to follow them. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where you can find me. Uh, my website is linked right to my Twitter. Yeah, uh, guys, head on over there. Check it out. She has a lot of great articles, uh, you know, just like my man George. George, let everybody know. Yeah, I uh, maintain a Substack presence, uh, the uh, pun to the pesky pole. 
uh, on Substack. Uh, we have links off the website and on Linktree uh, from the Pesky podcast. Uh, so I, I do a regular Sunday column, but I also do uh, intermediate columns when things kind of strike me and feel I need to get them off my chest. Uh, I'm, I'm somewhat active on Twitter. I, I've calmed down a little bit because I just caught myself going a little bit too much to the edge, so I backed off. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where you can find me, and uh, you know, here, uh, you know, on a on a few of the podcasts as well. So, Riley, let's sit there and talk real quick about how much I annoy you sometimes. <laughs> sometimes he'll text me. And be like, oh, just checking in. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so well, you don't annoy me. It's it's always in good fun. Don't worry. Uh, I was telling George in D.C. I was like, man, uh, an idea would hit me. And I texted to it right away. For yeah, sure. yeah. Because you don't want to forget it. No. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's great. We're going to get the our first uh, Series 2 logo, uh, shirts. going to be coming out soon. Uh, Riley does have those two done for us. They're pretty uh, the, good. I'm not gonna the, lie. Uh, the Yu Chang clan. <laughs> I'm so glad he stayed in AAA and stayed part of the Red Sox organization because I did not want to let that shirt go. That one was good. That one was real good. And uh, for the amount of support that people have been asking for, uh, me Casas as Su Casas. So those are the two shirts that will be getting launched uh, soon. And guys, we've got plenty, plenty more in the tank. So, but thanks you, thank you, Riley, thank you, George, for coming on and, and helping us out today. Uh, for myself, the writ. For George, for Riley. Thanks for stepping by the Pesky Podcast.